it's a great pleasure to be here in my, uh, I feel like it's our sort of home away from home, um, Houston Zen Center. And uh, I wanna thank Galen Roshi for the invitation to come and speak to you. It's been about a year since I was here and uh, I've missed it, I've missed you all, uh, those of you I know. And uh, so anyone here is completely new today? No, okay. Um, and I wanna thank uh, my teacher for supporting my practice always for many, many years. <clears throat> it's a great privilege to be sitting here and offering this to you. Um, I actually hadn't realized when I decided this was the topic I wanted to give, which is about Zazen. I'm going to speak about Zazen today and a teaching that says Zazen is good for nothing. <laughs> Often elicits a chuckle, a knowing chuckle. <laughs> um, and I see actually that there's a class being taught, uh, I think it's underway right now, about the teaching of Uchiyama Roshi, opening the hand of thought. And it's that lineage that this teaching comes from. So that's some kind of cosmic coincidence, I guess. Anyway, so I want to talk about Zazen today. And, um, you know, we call our sitting practice Zen meditation. Although, and many of you must know this, literally the, the Japanese word Zazen means sitting Zen or sitting Samadhi. Submit so sitting concentration. Samadhi is the Sanskrit term for concentration or meditation. And Zazen is sometimes said to be the hallmark of Soto Zen in particular, the Zen we practice. And Soto Zen is sometimes criticized by other schools for appearing to be just sitting around, not making effort, doing nothing, <laughs> accomplishing nothing. Right? We just sit. The Indian monk Bodhidharma, who brought Zen to China, uh, called Zen a special transmission outside the scriptures, not established upon words and letters, directly pointing to the human heart mind, seeing nature and becoming Buddha. So this is the kind of the origin story of our practice, a practice, uh, a special transmission outside the scriptures. Right, not established upon words and letters, direct pointing at the human heart mind. Now, of course, we study texts. We just heard a whole set of announcements about classes and opportunities to study. And we chant sutras and we engage in samu or soji as, as you all just did. And we do many other things that we also call practice. So I wanna ask, why is Zazen so highly valued that it is the term used to refer to our entire way of Buddhism. Why do we do it? Why do you do it? What do we hope for? What do we aspire to? So this leads me to a statement by a Japanese Zen teacher of the early 20th century, although he, he died in 1965. He was, I think, 85 years old when he died. So he lived a very long life. Um, and this teacher's name is Kodo Sawaki, also known as Homeless Kodo, because he had no fixed temple and he traveled all over Japan offering his teachings. And he famously said 
this is the quote, Zazen is good for nothing. And he apparently declared this, that Zazen is good for nothing throughout his life. And it's kind of a startling statement for us, for us Americans, go-getters, goal-setters, list-makers, <laughs> right? Uh, that we are, right? Set your goals and, and accomplish them. Zen meditation is useless, yet we know that this is the central focus of our practice. And it's what we spend much of our time engaged in as when we are here at our temples, as well as at home. So in an essay in Tricycle Magazine, the American Zen teacher, Brad Warner, discussed this statement of Sawaki Roshi's. And this is Brad speaking. He said, Sawaki Roshi wasn't employing some kind of uh, skillful means, he puts that in quotes, by saying something he really didn't believe. He wasn't being mystical and saying, Zazen is good, wink, wink, for nothing, nudge, nudge. No, according to Brad, he meant it. Sawaki Koto meant it. Zazen really is good for nothing. It's useless, absolutely useless. Now, Brad Warner acknowledges that this is difficult to accept because it is often very clear that Zazen has positive effects. Maybe you've noticed some of them. For him, they include feeling better, feeling more alive. He, he mentions those two things. And we've all heard and maybe experienced health benefits. The mental health benefits, uh, we hear a lot in uh, the workplace of workplace productivity that is helped by mindfulness practice, improved relationships, lowered blood pressure, you name it, associated with meditation, not just with Zen meditation. And as Warner notes, Brad Warner, there are a dozen books out right now that will tell you exactly what meditation is good for. Well, it turns out that this phrase, good for nothing, is actually Shohaku Okamura Roshi's translation of homeless Kodo's Japanese expression. And Sawaki Kodo is Okamura Roshi's Dharma grandfather and Uchiyama Roshi's, Roshi's teacher. In another interview in Tricycle Magazine, Okamura Roshi says that he consciously chose this English idiomatic expression, good for nothing, as in worthless, to emphasize the futility of assigning value to Zazen. To Okamura Roshi, it meant that Zazen is good in and of itself with no evaluation or measuring of worth or of results. And knowing this intention and interpretation, you know, I kind of think like, well, it might've been more helpful to English speakers if he had said Zazen is beyond value, if he had translated the phrase of, of Kodo Suwaki as beyond value rather than useless or worthless. But it would not have gotten our attention in the same way that good for nothing does. And similarly, Brad Warner's sense of what Sawaki Roshi meant by good for nothing is that true practice has no goal. As he says, the only way one really gets any of the most important benefits of meditation practice is by giving up on the notion that there are any benefits to meditation practice. Just do it. But wait, <laughs> despite the disclaimer that Zazen is good for nothing, Warner seems to say that there is a benefit. I, you 
you give up on the notion that there are any benefits and then you get the benefits. And in fact, there is a way to approach the question of goals that Sawaki Roshi himself points to. In the book, The Zen Teachings of Homeless Kodo, Sawaki Roshi himself is quoted as follows. What is Zazen good for? Nothing. We should be made to hear this good for nothingness so often that we get calluses on our ears and practice good for nothing Zazen without any expectation. Otherwise, our practice really is good for nothing. To me, this is kind of sly. Right? Having no expectation seems to be what the practice is good for. And this is a pretty fundamental thing. Never mind saving all beings or cultivating kindness or ending the cycle of karmic existence. Any and all laudable goals. Certainly not self-improvement. And yet, if we practice without any expectation, then our practice really is good for something. So where does this leave us? Is it all just word games? Like having no goal is really the goal? <laughs> but Sawaki Roshi, fortunately, since he got us into this, he offers more. He said, we don't practice to attain enlightenment. He says, we practice dragged around by enlightenment. <laughs> we are watched by Zazen, scolded by Zazen, obstructed by Zazen, dragged around by Zazen and spend our lives in tears. <laughs> this is the happiest life, isn't it? <laughs> so notice that here he equates enlightenment with Zazen. And this is a fundamental teaching of Dogen. Practice and enlightenment are one thing. So I think this is his expression of that teaching. Uchiyama Roshi, who is Koto Sawaki's disciple and Okamura Roshi's teacher, he commented on this statement, that we practice in the midst of delusion without knowing whether we will fall to hell or be born in the pure land. Again, we practice without expecting an outcome. But here's the key thing. Uchiyama says that practice, and this is a quote, exists within our efforts just to be ourselves. In everyday life, there are rainy, windy, and stormy days, he says. But whatever conditions we may encounter, we just continue to sit as the stability of our entire lives. It's the end of the quote. And this statement brings together two fundamental points into one, having no expectations on the one hand and to be or realize ourselves. Excuse me. What is this realizing ourselves? Okamura Roshi says that homeless Kodo, his Dharma grandfather was a complex and variable person. He apparently did not concern himself with outward appearances, convention, or consistency, <laughs> but he presented very different facets or sides of himself, depending on his conditions, who he was with. What was fundamental to him, despite this variability, was Zazen, the foundation of his life. And Uchiyama Roshi said that his teacher's greatness was in his having quote unquote, wasted his whole life on Zazen. And this greatness was evident despite Sawaki Roshi's 
complex karma. He was in the Japanese army during the Russo-Japanese war and apparently uh, participated in battle. He had already be, begun his Zen practice, but he was conscripted. And he was seen by older Japanese as a war hero. And it was very difficult for Okamura Roshi to accept this side of Sawaki, that he had been a soldier. But Uchiyama Roshi was somewhat matter of fact about it. And I think uh, that these observations about Sawaki Roshi's character can be viewed through another kind of startling and pithy statement that Sawaki made himself. He said, all human beings without exception are in reality homeless. It is a mistake to think that we have a solid home. So acknowledging the controversial, maybe negative associations of homelessness, we could understand homeless as the Zen of no abiding. Mu Jusho Nehan, no abiding nirvana. We do not abide in suffering, that is samsara, because we have wisdom. And we don't abide in nirvana or enlightenment either because of compassion. These are the two aspects of awakened being, compassion and wisdom. And you know, I would add to this that what makes Sawaki Roshi valuable and complex fearless and unconventional isn't just his way of practicing without a fixed place, which is why he was given the name Homeless Kodo. It's that he was always becoming, always codependently arising. And he doesn't confuse his karmic characteristics with a fixed self. So when he was a young man, he was a soldier and he fought, but his relationship to war was not just this. He used his army pension first to support his family, and later to print Buddhist teachings, which he then gave away. He felt that the money was tainted, but he did something to advance the Dharma with it. So he kind of turned his karma. He was not caught by his karma, or he would not have been able to become homeless Kodo. So steadiness of practice, Zazen as the stability of our lives is the ground of being yourself just exactly yourself, which Suzuki Roshi expressed as, when you are you, Zen is Zen. <laughs> and I feel this relates to another teaching that Sawaki Roshi gave, Roshi gave to his disciple Uchiyama Roshi. Uchiyama Roshi regarded himself as weak and timid. And he expressed the hope that by practicing like his teacher, you know, fierce, strong and fierce, he could become like Kodo, Sawaki. And his teacher said, uh, no, that he, homeless Kodo, was the way he was as his individual nature. Uchiyama Roshi didn't want to believe this, so he practiced hoping for change, hoping to become somebody else. And Uchiyama compared himself to a violet and said Sawaki was like a rose. But ultimately, Uchiyama Roshi came to understand that his teacher, Sawaki Roshi's charisma and vitality were, and this is his words, merely comic, karmic attributes as natural for him as a cat catching mice. They were not dependent on his practice. A violet doesn't need to be a rose. Both flowers should just bloom. And the first time I heard this teaching, I thought I'm a violet and I wanna be a rose. That was what I thought. <laughs> And I also chafed a little bit. I felt like 
saying a violet can only be a violet was saying, just accept your place. Right? And this seemed potentially dangerous or disempowering to me. Like I was hearing echoes of things like, oh, you're a woman, so you can't do this. Or you're a person of color or any number of other ways of being human. And this is somehow a limitation. You have an assigned and immutable position. And I couldn't agree with this. I couldn't agree that anyone or anything is a fixed entity defined by some idea limited by some essentialist notion. And I thought, wouldn't this be in conflict with a fundamental Buddhist teaching of no self? But Uchiyama Roshi is saying something else. He says, this is a quote, if a violet doesn't become a violet, you spoil your life force. This is absurd, he said. Try to express your life force to the fullest. You want to know whether you're a violet or a rose. He said, I don't know. <laughs> and you don't need to know. Life is possibility. It's not fixed. You don't need to decide what you are. Just live yourself and naturally bloom your own flower. That's the end of the quote. And it seems to me that this is what Sawaki Roshi did supported by Zazen, and it's what we can do. Maybe you've seen the bumper sticker that says, be yourself, everyone else is already taken. <laughs> That's always been kind of funny and has rung true with me. And while I was struggling with my disappointment early on that I was a violet or I was afraid that that's what I was and not a rose, I realized I could just be me. We all are non-repeatable instances of being in time. But the self that Uchiyama points to, the one that you should bloom, is the one that does not realize some separate sense of value or compare itself to anything. Sawaki Roshi said, it's possible for a fish to say, I've swum the whole ocean, or for a bird to say, I've flown the entire sky, <clears throat> but, fish, but fish do swim the whole ocean, and birds do fly the entire sky. And Okamura Roshi calls this the boundless universal self. And this is the self we wake up to, the one that blooms its life force as one flower, one fish that swims the whole ocean, and the bird right overhead that flies the whole sky. Realizing this boundless, timeless, universal self, Sawaki Roshi says, is like a thief breaking into an empty house, you realize there's nothing to take and nobody to run from, even though you went to all that trouble to get in. <laughs> nothing to gain and nothing to lose. Uh, Barry Majid, a therapist and Zen teacher in the lineage of Joko Beck, said this recently about motivations to practice in order to get something. He said, gaining ideas are not obstacles, but merely objects in the landscape, like rocks and trees. Everybody practices for the wrong reasons. Everybody's practice must begin with self-centered curative fantasies. He's a therapist. <laughs> <laughs> Similarly, Cohen Franz, who teaches and practices in Nova Scotia says, one day we wake up and we realize that all the compelling reasons we have for leaving practice, right, abandoning practice are not going to go away. <laughs> And maybe this is not going to give us what we were looking for, but we stay anyway. He says, Zazen begins on that day. Practice 
begins on that day. Our lives begin on that day when we stay anyway. From that moment forward, anything is possible because we have let go of what we needed it to be.